listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and comping us tickets to Melbourne's most exciting festival running across March and April that all the comedians love. That's right, it's the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. (laughs) 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 If anyone's ever told you to go outside and touch grass, well, now you can do it in really nice environments looking at some really well-curated flowers and gardens. I didn't know you liked (laughs) tulips so much, Mitch. I fucking love them. Oh, fuck. Me, me and my whole death metal band, we fucking love them. Actually, not to hijack, I think I've told this anecdote on the um on the on the pod before, but um a couple of years ago, actually McLean, based off of your recommendation to go to the to the expo, um my partner and I went and one of the only times I've been like stopped by a stranger in public and like, "Hey, Aren't you the vocalist of that band I really like? <laughs> Was someone manning a booth <laughs> at the <laughs> Flower and Garden Expo? Yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and like in a it was like my partner who is very heavily tattooed and I in our like, you know, the the docks and the black jeans and all the skulls and stuff, walking around with people whose like average age was about 85 and someone being like, You're in that fucking death metal band. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that me. Sounds, that sounds like me and my partner at um, a Steely Dan concert, but <laughs> <laughs> just like the youngest people there by a long stretch, just like, what are we doing here? But I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah, that's like generally my experience of metalheads, though. Is they're like, and you can attest to this, Mitch. I'm sure they 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 get all the sort of dark stuff out with the metal. And that leaves a lot of room for just being into flowers and like hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh yeah, no, that the nicest, sweetest subculture in you know any country is the metalheads that you know will punch on in a mosh pit and then afterwards like not even really go out for drinks all that often. It's just like, well, let's go to that late night burger shack and get a malt. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really wholesome scene. Uh, th- there was there was something at this year's Flowers Garden <laughs> Show. Something something pretty metal. The hardcore scene making its way into the <laughs> into the flower zone. Uh, this is I I went with my partner on on Friday night and we saw uh, it's it's also been in the news. The coming soon. Uh, garden, which is uh, part of the the garden show, as well as just being a bit of an exhibition for, um, you know, they they if you sell plants, you, you probably make an appearance there. Uh, but they have like a gardens <laughs> competition. They get gardeners and landscapers to make these little. They get you know some square footage of of land and they make a garden in it. And one of them's called Coming Soon, and it's made around and with the wreckage of uh, an old house. And uh, it was originally from the uh, 2020 exhibit, got delayed due to COVID, and now it's it's got you know uh, it's very reminiscent of you know <laughs> recent natural disasters basically. Yeah. Um, it's 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 pretty impactful. I I really loved the comment from like um th- there was an article about it in the Guardian um this week. Um, featuring this particular exhibit, a- and there was a- an anonymous quote from a fellow exhibitor that's that called it a little bit in bad taste, considering what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And the response, <laughs> the response from the exhibitor was like, "Well, I think it's very bad taste for the government not to act on climate change." Sure. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> fair enough. Great comeback. That's the main thing that I love about it is just them being like. Yeah, it's, it's about climate change. What do you want? It's not yeah. bad taste. We're making a point. Yeah. It uh, looked- that's nice to see. It's a continuation of the, like, 
finally the fucking pushback that I feel like has started, especially over the pandemic, of like, we can't not talk about it, gang. It's a big fucking mm. deal. And we yeah. need to inject it into everything because it's injecting itself into everything. It's like, you like flowers. You like gardens. You're at the Flower and Garden Show. Did you know that climate change is going to absolutely fucking destroy all of this? Like, <laughs> are you aware that if we don't stop fossil fuel companies lobbying the government to allow them to continue to mine this shit and then burn it, you won't get your tulips? Like, yeah. it's, it's fucking connected. <laughs> yeah. There were, there were actually a few exhibits uh, about climate change, but uh, they were like, you know, oh, the, 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 you know, the black soil against the, the, you know, red fence symbolizes the sort of devastation of climate, like that sort of yeah. thing. Uh, but coming soon was just like, yeah, we wrecked a fucking house for this. Yeah, uh, we've we've got a metaphor here. So you don't need it. It nah. shit's popping off right now. Um, yeah. It's, it's if, if, for, for for the listener who hasn't seen any pictures of the image, it's got the words "coming soon" in a big neon sign above the wrecked house. It's not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> what is this what is, what's the metaphor here yeah uh, sorry i'm gonna need this explained to me like um, a movie or a, perhaps a, a straight to netflix movie where someone has to have jennifer lawrence telling me exactly what the metaphor is here <sighs> um but yeah no if you haven't been uh keeping up with the news which fuck we wouldn't blame you um the 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 considering what's going on comment probably refers to the floods in New South Wales and Queensland, my hometown, um, to the point where the, the, the floods are fucking massive. There is a McDonald's that I used to go to as a teenager, at just completely underwater. Um, the, the government has their, their $5 billion federal disaster fund that they're not releasing, despite the fact that the main streets of major towns are completely underwater. And the response from the SES and, and, and in needing to help people from ADF, SES, all of that, has been atrocious because the ABC has been cut with... Oh, fuck, sorry. These are the notes from three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, my bad. This is... <laughs> Record scratch. They're also the notes from this fucking week. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I love the, I love the um, once in a thousand years flooding, not only happening once in like the last few decades, but also once in every month at this point. <laughs> Just... I, I don't want to hit it too much because it's fucking grim to think yeah. about the fact that my hometown might not be rebuilt because of flooding exacerbated by climate change. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's the reality I'm facing. I cannot see why Lismore would bother fucking rebuilding when, one, the area that they built is a big fucking saucepan. It's a hole. It Water floods into it all the time. But the floods are getting so bad now that they're going to get worse and worse. Houses are going to be just completely covered with water. But also, they're not getting the support from any levels of government to bother rebuilding. Like yeah. even if this was to go, even if you were to go, all right, rebuild now, and a flood like this won't hit in fucking three weeks, but it might hit in four years' time. It's still not fucking worth it. Yeah. At all. Also, it might hit in three weeks. There's literally <sighs> no guarantee <laughs> yeah. that like two's yeah. enough for God, you know? That the oh there was also that fucking the, the 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 one bit that was going around about how the SES couldn't get the warnings out yes! for this oh my God. flood because <sighs> the previous flood siren system had been damaged by the by the previous flood from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. so the, the what happened there is that there's sirens in the main town to tell residents to evacuate if the levees are being breached, the flood levees, um, and they didn't go off because those sirens were damaged in the last floods and 
I think it's reasonable to think that like they would have some time to repair it before the next flood happened and not have only three weeks to do it. But that is what has happened here. And so they they, they couldn't get in time. But three weeks is plenty of fucking time to repair the warning signals (laughs) of a flood. I guess you've got to prioritise though because there's a fuck ton of other stuff that they were also working on repairing. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Why the fuck would anyone bother rebuilding? Why wouldn't you just up stumps and fucking leave? Because there's there's been a bunch of reporting as well about, you know, they want to look at these places that have had major floods in the past that have then petitioned the state and federal government to just essentially move the entire town. And the, the systems aren't perfect that are in place, but there was one town in particular that did it that, that like a decade more ago just moved on top of a hill and they have been fine with floods ever since. Like, mm. th- you can do it. It just requires, as we'll probably get into throughout this whole fucking app, it requires the federal government to go, all right, we'll prioritise some funding for this and then not. And so there's no reason to think that you will be supported in the future. And it's just, it's fucking tragic. It's tragic. Well, that that requires them to actually recognise that there's a problem that can't be solved by simply rebuilding the town. Wow, yeah. Yeah. I, I have seen them uh, saying that they might encourage people to move away by waiving the stamp duty if you buy oh. out of Lismore. Oh, fabulous. Hey, solve everything. pretty good. Well, well, well. <laughs> so all of those people in Lismore, a town famous for having lots of fucking money, um, all those people who were going to buy in Lismore, and the fuck, fuck off! I, I hate that so much. That's yeah, so it's fun. terrible. Originally, I misread it to think that they were just waiving the stamp duty that the seller would have to pay, and I was like, "Who the fuck are you selling to?" But no, they're just <laughs> just people who already have a house in Lismore. Just buy another one and do nothing with your existing house, and we'll help you out a bit. We'll waive the stamp duty thing. Oh, we're fuck it. We're, we're looping back on this point for sure through the uh, with what I want to talk about the fucking yeah, federal yeah. budget. But I just the the main thing I want to hit when it comes to this flooding shit, is just, we've said it before, and we'll keep fucking saying it, the framing, as Evie, you brought up, of, you know, once in a hundred years, once in a thousand year event, blah, blah, blah. Well, this happened in twice inside three weeks. I think we need to let go of the percentile chance of a tragedy happening, because it doesn't fucking matter. Would anyone feel different? Would the people in Lismore behave differently if they were told that this was a once in 25 year flooding event? Oh, it gives a shit. It doesn't yeah. matter. And with climate change, those models that we have are just blown out. It doesn't matter anymore. We've just seen that a once in 100 year flood can happen pretty much twice inside the same month. So mm. don't buy into, as Lang has said multiple times, the framing from fossil fuel industries and parliament going, oh, it only happens once every 100 years. Don't bloody worry about it. Go on, rebuild your house and give us lots of money again. It's bullshit. It happens a lot and it's happening more and more because of climate change, directly yeah. because of climate change. It's not a once in a hundred year flood. It's a flood that happened because of climate change. And we will see more and more of them across the world. We'll see more storms. We'll see more floods. We'll see more friggin' tornadoes. All the natural disasters ramped up. Not to belabor the point too, like, this is it. Like, people, I think Australia doesn't want to reckon with the fact that, sure, we're going to have neighbours who are climate change refugees, we're also going to become climate change refugees. The people in Lismore who can't rebuild are essentially climate change yeah. refugees. What happens to them now? Yeah. I think one thing that I, I have actually noticed, and I've forgotten to bring it up every other time we've recorded, because I just have so much bloody fun with you guys, <laughs> is that when we had the the big bushfires and there was the very evocative image of, you know, people on beaches in the middle of the day and it was like nighttime and there was just like the red glare and all that sort of stuff and the smoke blanketing the sun. 
when that happened in America, people could draw parallels pretty quickly. And people were saying, like, fuck, the, the fires in America right now look a lot like the fires in Australia, look a lot like the fires in fucking Siberia, and all of that sort of shit was connected. But I haven't seen anyone talking about the fact that these floods that are hitting Lismore, Ballina, Byron Bay look an awful lot like those floods that hit Hong Kong where people in the subway system had water coming up to their fucking waists inside trains. They look Mm. a lot like the floods happening in Germany where entire old school fucking medieval villages just had torrents of water running down their like fucking hillside roads washing cars away. And we're not connecting these fucking dots oh, together. And, and, I mean- and floods in like the subcontinent as well, in India and Sri Lanka and Pakistan. You yeah. know, I think there is, a, there is a lot to be said for the exceptionalism that happens in Australia where when these sort of extreme disasters happen, um, we forget about where it happens everywhere else and that we're not immune. And yeah. not only are we not immune – um, the consequences get more severe every single time that happens. Like, you know, th- these bushfires that are going to happen, people are going to become, like, displaced because of them too. People aren't going to be able to rebuild in some places eventually because they're going to yep. be ra- ravaged by places – sorry, ravaged by bushfires eventually. You know, it's – people, I think, are really struggling to reckon with the fact that a lot of these things are going to become permanent changes to our lives. Yeah. Yeah. We're in it, folks. It's the new normal. We're in it. <laughs> it's, it's the new normal, so let's not do anything about it. It's just new normal. <laughs> Speaking of not doing anything about it. Speaking of not doing it. Taking, <laughs> taking our lens from the, the big picture, let's look at what's happening in the subcontinent <laughs> and draw parallels to here. Let's get into fucking personal intra-party politics sniping. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it, 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 there's this weird thing going on at the moment where, so obviously everybody hates Scott Morrison, yeah. uh, but it, it turns out that, uh, even the, obviously everybody in the liberal party also hates Scott Morrison, but now they're, they're talking about it. This is a story from, uh, this week where, uh, Senator Conchetta Fioravanti Wells, uh, used her farewell speech to basically just like read out a laundry list of how much Scott Morrison fucking sucks and (laughs) like bring receipts as well and it's been this really interesting thing because the response to this has been like oh wow great stuff from Conchetta Fioravanti Wells this is amazing I don't really know much about her politics but this is pretty cool to see and I just wanted to get this segment on the podcast because I want to just broadcast a little bit that she also sucks. She's a horrible person. If you actually read what her speech was, oh. she's complaining that Scott Morrison isn't bad enough. <laughs> she, she says he's too left wing. She's terrible. She said he was the product of the left. Like, that should be the warning yeah. sign. Like, how did people not see that at the start and go, okay, maybe we should take the rest of this? With a grain of salt. That's the point I want to hit at this part of the podcast is that so much of the reporting specifically left out the utterly insane thing that she said where she's like, Morrison is a product of the left. And I think part of the reason why we're not hearing about that and people aren't going, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? Is because if you put that in your article while championing what she said against Scott Morrison... The whole thing is undermined because it's a clearly fucking insane thing to say. <laughs> so you can't take the rest of it seriously. It doesn't fit in the narrative. And so that one is sort of 
pushed aside and not mentioned that that she said it. Yeah, and that she said other things as well. This is so. Conchetta Fioravanti Wells was one of the spearheads of during the bushfires oh, of, of, of a couple years ago. She was the one who was like. They're not climate change events. They were lit by environmentalists to make it seem like climate change is a problem. And gosh, she bloody pissed off the environmentalists there because they went and they spent two years fucking saving up water in buckets to dump on Lismore. Hey. So, ah, she, <laughs> oh, she, she's also, I mean, claims accidentally had to apologize a little while ago because she was uh, caught in attendance at a neo-Nazi rally. Like, She's Accidentally. Not, she's not good. No, I want to I hit this one. This is obviously one of my big things. Unions and fucking neo-Nazis. Like, she attended a Croatian neo-Nazi event in 07, along with some other liberal fucking party members, and had to apologize for it. And it was like, I didn't know. What's going on? That's crazy. And then in fucking 2014, she asked Craig Kelly to attend on her behalf. The exact same <laughs> event at the exact same place. She fucking knows what she's doing. She knows what that event is. She it's at the very least, the fucking it's who oh, she knows at least per, on the periphery of her social circles, genuine neo Nazis, and is happy enough to associate with them when she can. That's what I'll say. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't purposefully look up two neo Nazi events and then go to them. What she did was just <laughs> accept two invitations from a friend. Is all that's happened. And how was she to know? Uh, I just want to zoom out as well for people who aren't. For also, um, like you know, we've talked a little bit about what she said and done in the past. Um, Conchetta Fioravanti Wells is actually like she's part of the sort of right wing faction of the Liberal Party, in case it wasn't obvious enough already. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this is this is the kind of thing we're talking about in terms of, like, the factional bullshit um, that is used mm. to distract from an actual argument. Like, Conchetta is basically launching this attack because it's useful for her to make Morrison look useless and stupid only to other Liberal Party members, but mm. she's also savvy enough an operator to know that, like, you know, Labor Party supporters are stupid enough to say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and they <laughs> will still broadcast her same views if she says ScoMo bad. Like, yeah. she, she knows that they're going to be binary enough and not, like, take everything what she says as a whole in some scepticism. They will just take what she's saying as ScoMo bad. Right, it's also so transparently a tactical move because she brought receipts for all of the things that she was saying, right, in the speech, which some of the things that she was saying date back to friggin', you know, Scott Morrison's pre-selection. Like, <laughs> yeah. that means that she, this is not new stuff to her. That means she was sitting on receipts of demonstrably unethical behaviour by the Prime Minister for years and years and years, for his entire tenure as Prime Minister. She's not doing the right thing here. No. She's someone who has sat on that information for fucking ages. Yeah, and now when it serves her, she releases it and people go, oh, what a brave person she is. It's like, no, yeah. she's yeah. a fucking coward. About? She's a coward a because coward. the silver lining to this whole thing is that uh, part of the reporting about why she's done it is because they fucked her on a Senate ticket. She's apparently <laughs> yeah. so far low now. And th this is the thing again. Let's just be very clear. 
Both sides of this are good news. Scott Morrison being undermined by his own party, good news. <laughs> by it. someone who's been fucked by her own party and not getting seats, also good news. <laughs> Fuck the Liberal Party and everyone involved. I hope they get in a physical fight. I hope they break <laughs> each other's arms. But yeah, apparently she's like very much not in the running to like win her Senate seat again. So now she's come out guns blazing like, well, fuck you. Which does just point to how hollow most politicians are. Where, like you said, McLean, she could have released this at any point in time and done a principled thing and risked her position in the party, blah, 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 blah. But it's only when she doesn't get her seat and Morrison isn't going to get a pre-selection and all this sort of stuff back and forward where it's just like, there's not even like, she can't stand by her own convictions. She's not even all in on the Liberal Party and like, hey, I know some things are dirty, but boy, do I believe in what the Liberal Party stand Mm. for. So I'm going to do the right thing by my own principles. It's just like, no, you vote against me. Well, fuck you. I'm taking the whole party down. I think that that's the thing. When the the coverage of this is like, oh, you know, like finally someone in the Liberal Party is standing up to Scott Morrison and, 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 you know, calling him out. That's like the the angle on this. It's a really, it's a really easy angle to take is everyone in that fucking pit is a snake. (laughs) Yeah. This is the thing I was going to say. Like, this is um, the way in which this was um, portrayed in very credulous sort of media coverage is, you know, Conchetta Fiervanti-Wells talks about bullying within the Liberal Party um, as if it's any sort of way, like, similar to the, like, you know, whatever situations were happening within the Labor Party, which, again, was not bullying. It was just various political operators you know, acting on their own behalf and, you know, undermining each other. But also, and there's bullying in the in the Labor Party. But like, I, mean, I, just, I just think those two aren't mutually exclusive. That is yeah. what politi- like politics is, is bullying each other. Yeah. Like, everyone knows, Fervanti Wells and f- fucking all of them know exactly what it is. Even the fucking Greens and Independents and all that. Being in politics is about backstabbing, undermining, and if you can, bullying people. This is a controversial take, but I think... <laughs> like I don't like you know the reason why I and like millennials generally don't enter politics is because we know this is what it's like and a lot of us Mm. are very healthy normal people that don't (laughs) want to engage in this (laughs) like I have an interest in so far as the way politics works but I have no interest in electoral politics because I've known people who participate in this process. I know people who've changed in participation of this process into people that I don't really recognize or respect. and <laughs> Or like it all. Or like yeah. it all. And <laughs> I think there is something about the way in which politics operates that fundamentally corrupts people. But mm. I think it would be very naive to say that you can participate in politics in this country without having that streak of psychopathy in you somewhere even as a progressive you have to otherwise you get sniped almost immediately so killer instinct you have to accept that this is the reality of this situation where everyone is out for themselves and they will stab anyone in their own party or even in their own allegiances to do so um that is just the nature of the job um i like you know there's so many horrible things about politics i cannot imagine any worse place to work than canberra like god imagine how fucking soul sucking it must be working in those offices yeah. every single day just having to but see you- this non-stop i think it changes you fundamentally as a human um like 100 oh, just i yeah like it's not something i find at all desirable or interesting 
you know, that's something I would like to participate in. And God fucking knows, like most people would not consider that as like a career choice in that way. So yeah, I see something like Conchetta, the way she behaves. I'm like, yeah, of course she doesn't like him because she's fucked up. Like she's, she's, (laughs) she's, 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 She's she's finally met her like you know point in the road where she can't go any further, and of course she's gonna like reveal all these receipts because that's all these people do. All of it yeah. is just sitting on this stuff until they can use it. They've been keeping like Facebook screen caps since they were like fifteen to make sure that they can <laughs> use it against these people in the future. Like I love the only gossip. other thing I love gossip, but <laughs> but. There is just like a point in the road where you have to decide whether this is for your own enjoyment or whether this is for the destruction of everybody else around you. And to me, that's what Australian politics is. Yeah, and that point is when you don't get put on a Senate ticket. (laughs) That point is when the party that you've dedicated decades of your life to go, now fuck you. Um, I will will say though, Evie, that like, yes, that does sound bad, but it is evened up by all of the alleged cocaine and orgies. So... (laughs) (laughs) You know, also swings, you swings and roundabouts in Canberra. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of unemployment people into a big uh, <laughs> of unemployed people into a big meat grinder, and there's a sort of joy that they derive from that. That's, that's the thing. It's like people are like, "Oh, there's bullying in the bloody Liberal Party." The, the, the Liberal Party of 2022, a series <laughs> of demonstrable ghouls getting up to the worst, like most horrible yeah. shit perpetrated on the Australian population, <laughs> just like flagrantly for years and they're like oh and get this they're mean to each other yeah this idea of like are you are you telling me that the man who has a gold boat emblazoned with i stopped these referring to the people he locks in offshore (laughs) detention that fucking die are murdered and kill themselves because of the fucking conditions they're in he's mean to people yeah, oh, that was that other one that, that, that's, that's come out recently. Is uh, they're saying that like this is the the event during his pre-selection. As a couple of people have like sworn a stat deck saying they did hear him say that like oh his opponent might be secretly a Muslim and facing investigation for whatever. That's like th- this this big revelation. Did you say this about your opponent during pre-selection, Scott Morrison? And he's like, no, I didn't. As though like they're just making it up. They're willing to sign a stat deck, but the. It, breaking news, Scott Morrison's a racist? Is that, is that where we've arrived? 2022? Surely this will stop Scott Morrison now. <laughs> Scott, yeah, oh my God. I just saw that this morning, the whole thing about him talking about like, oh, um, using like anti-Muslim sentiment to get pre-selected. Fucking shock there. Oh my no, God. No. <laughs> He's been using anti-Muslim sentiment consistently for his entire tenure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a I'm an Indian woman who has lived in this country since past 9/11. What a fucking shock that someone would use anti-Muslim yeah. sentiment to get elected. Oh my god, my hair is just falling out of my head like <laughs> <laughs> everything I knew about Australian politics is coming apart. Let's take a let's take a half second reset and, <laughs> and get set up get set up for the micro fucking we're about to get. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want me to lead it? Yep. So uh, the micro fucking that we're about to get is through microtransactions. What? <laughs> <laughs> that part was supposed to be edited out of the pod. That's, that was, that's edited out. <laughs> that was yeah, that's, that's not a reference to anything. <laughs> I don't want to keep that. Yeah, Isaac in our headphones. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
the the microtransactions um, that gamers have suffered are now going to uh, now be <laughs> implanted upon the whole population. So it, it's proof, further proof that gamers are the biggest victims of all. Um, <laughs> I've been saying this for years. <laughs> Look, I'm not sure where I was going with that train of thought, but what I wanted to say uh, People is... are going to get food in loot boxes these days. <laughs> um, so Australia is at the forefront of a particular kind of technology, uh, and that is financial technology or fintech. Um, you may have heard of things like Afterpay, which is um, – kind of fluctuated in terms of its value uh, on, you know, in the line go up stakes. Uh, but it is a very popular service um, that is used pretty much worldwide at this point. Um, it's part of the category of financial services called buy now, pay later. So it's basically you pay in installments. You pay like, you know, whatever that total is, you pay over the course of like a month. Um, Three easy payments of yeah. No, 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 no. yeah. And, and depending on what service you use, there's a couple of these things now. Like I think there's a lot of popular ones like Zip and Klarna and that sort of thing. Some of them have like an administration fee that goes on the top. Some of them the fee goes through if you don't pay a payment on time. Um, there's very minimal credit checking in these processes. Uh, they, uh -oh. you know, pl pl Places like Afterpay claim that they do like a proper credit check, but they don't really. Um, and – the problem with these services is that in like, you know, saying that they're disruptive and that sort of thing. The problem with these services is that they're being given a lot of leeway um, from regulatory bodies um, to get involved in places where, you know, buy now, pay later services haven't been involved before. So hmm. late last year, Australian Venues Co., which is like a conglomerate that owns a lot of pubs and bars and that sort of thing, um, they teamed up with Afterpay, so now you can pay for a Palmer in four <sighs> installments. Fuck, Great. that's grim. That's so Boy. fucking grim. So good. Um, there's lots of department <laughs> stores. If you are a woman who buys underwear and clothes, you will have seen Afterpay in like almost every single store that's in Northland. Um, I want to meet the goblin that doesn't. <laughs> that just either hasn't bought new clothes in 20 years or fucking by rights steals literally everything. I want to meet you Good right into her. the pod if Good that's you. Her. Yeah, 100%. Living your best life. <laughs> um, and also, um, payday loan operators have started to like edge their way into this category. Um, you know, places like Cashies and Nimble and all these other ones have been a bit on the nose recently. So they've started to rebrand as buy now, pay later, but for borrowing money from yourself in the future. So before Ooh. pay is the big culprit in this category. And the reason why I want to bring them up is because they are a payday loan lender um, that have entered this category who built their customer base on welfare recipients. They offered, they offered their services to get, like, you know, your pay forwarded to you early um, to a wide range of people without credit checks. And then before they were listed on the ASX, they cut all those customers off. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. So they built their value by, like, go, by predatory lending. Yeah, great. Good, yeah. good, 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 good. Cool, good people that shouldn't be pilloried or put in the stocks forever. That's great. Not, yeah, yeah, like just completely innocent, disruptive people. And now <laughs> this is all to set the stage for the next great venture in Buy Now, Pay Later. <laughs> get, your, get your stock investments ready. Buckle up, Chuckle go. Bucks. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so this week, this week 
um, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle over um, a seemingly new buy now, pay later um, vendor coming into the scene. Um, but they have expanded into everyday shopping and their name is called FU Pay. <sighs> no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's meant to be pronounced Fupay, Fupay. And it's like, I think like meant to be like future pay. No, I think so, it's not yeah. though, is it? But it, but it is fuck you pay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, th- so basically what they've, what the reporting this week was is like, you know, they, they've, they're going to be entering into the essentials and everyday shopping sort of um, category of um, purchases. So you'll be able to buy now, pay later on your groceries, for example. Um, the thing and- that gets me about FuPay, FuPay, fuck you pay, whatever, <laughs> is that like I've, I've, I've had a little like Google around it and looked them up and seen their little promo video and stuff. They really do position themselves as like a money management sort of thing. Yes. Like, oh, we give you visibility of all of your finances. Yeah. You know how complex it is to manage your bank account? Just looking at a thing that says zero, right? Oh, <laughs> we, we, we turn that zero into a bunch of different charts so that you can, we can help you decide between rent and food this month like <laughs> it actually weirdly <sighs> the app and the stuff that they advertise looks a lot like uh what power shop do where they've got like here's how you're using your energy usage yeah. and here's your payments and your your mm-hmm. forward projected payments and here's what we expect like this seems at first just like another buy now pay later um enterprise and <laughs> but wait there's more the, but wait there's more um the founder and managing director michael fredericks he says that this whole thing it targets millennials and gen z customers and he says it's making a shift from what he called credit card debt traps yeah into mm. buy now pay later debt traps like yeah what yeah. the fuck <laughs> you're literally still paying like either an administrative fee or a, like you know a set percentage of Fuck. that entire thing as your fee for using that service. And and also if you don't make those payments, you're still going to, you know, reap the consequences from that. I just realized what it is, is that like, cause I've thought about this before in that like my parents and their grandparents fucking love putting stuff on the credit card, always putting stuff on the credit card, love getting my points up for flybys and whatnot on the credit card. I always use my credit card. And this motherfucker has looked at the fact that millennials and Gen Z are rightly not maxing out their credit card all the time or even not getting a credit card, trying to avoid debt as much as possible. And he's, with his fucking lizard brain firing on all cylinders, has gone, that's a hole in the market. Yes, exactly. Mm. I can grab that demographic of people that do not have a credit card and the debt associated and get them into debt. The, The thing is, the business model of all of these companies is fundamentally, we give money to poor people... And then we take back more money than yeah. we gave them originally. Yeah. The, like no matter how you shuffle the, the sort of the, the, the graphics and stuff around, <laughs> that's how it works is you're taking money net from them. <laughs> nah. And that, this, this, <laughs> oh, no, we're helping them manage it by, <laughs> yeah. by taking more money from them than we gave them. <laughs> by taking money from poor people is that's all of our profit is from taking money from poor people. There's no other. That, that's the math of it. It's taking money from poor people. It's that thing, McLean, of the fucking the, the rectangle chocolate bar, and you can cut it three different ways, and you shuffle the bits around, and then there's it's the same size, and you've got that extra piece of chocolate. You've seen yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> it's that. It's, 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 it's exactly that because that chocolate fucking thing <laughs> is a mathematical trick that doesn't yeah. change the amount of chocolate. 
<laughs> it looks good though. You know what this <laughs> – so there's something about this app. Mitch, something you said before just reminded me of it. Um, like as you correctly mentioned, the rate of millennials and Gen Z people using credit cards is way lower because we're much more savvy to what that means to yeah. our sort of bottom line. You know, I've so, I'm someone who's had credit card debt in the past um, and I've also worked – um, fucking really hard to try and get rid of it and it's really hard to get out of. Um, but also like there's like a lot of sort of drive um, to for millennials to try and educate themselves about their finances mm. and when things when the chips are down, you know, the, this is the thing that really bothers me about the whole boomer trope of telling us like millennials that they can't manage their money. I know, I like every millennial I know, watches their finances like a fucking hawk because it's expensive to live. Mm. Like, you know, we... we oh, it's asterisk all you- on that, not the wealthy ones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> normal people who don't get like, I don't know, like money from their parents on a weekly basis or something. I don't know. But like... Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Is, 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 is the idea that it's money management that's the problem? It's like, not. I've, I've, I've had plenty of poor friends. I've had plenty of wealthy friends. But poor people are much better money managers than wealthy people because they have to be because yeah. they starve otherwise. Yeah. If you've got a wealthy person who's like, uh, you know, carefully doing their grocery points, like that, that's. I've never met a person who does that who's wealthy because who would? The, the, the idea that oh they just need more help understanding their finances mm. is. There is a thing where credit cards become useful, right? Which is if you have enough cash flow yep. to uh, you know, afford the things that you need and afford the things that you want, you can do this thing where you put your expenses on the credit card, make sure you pay off all of your debts in time, right? Like all of your all the, you know, credit card debt that you've racked up, right? If you pay for the stuff that you bought on the 1st of the month, if you pay that debt off at the end of the month, then that Debt, that, that that money doesn't get spent by you during the month. You can get interest on that instead, right? You, you, yeah. you can, you know, finagle things to get a bit more money out of paying for things later than you otherwise would. Yeah. That's totally possible to do. But if your problem is you don't have enough money, yeah, it doesn't that arrangement doesn't work. So th- th- this it's it's a something it's a thing it's a mindset that's coming from people who are doing that who are like, well, I have a lot of money, yeah. and <laughs> if I talk to my accountant and I figure out how to rejig things and shuffle some around, yeah. I get even more money. Yeah. And so the problem with poor people is they just need to know how to do that. That's not <laughs> the problem with poor people. Yeah. The problem with poor people is they do not have enough money. <laughs> So this is a good segue into um, what I discovered was one of Fupay's other products. Now, so their whole sort of – their entry into essential groceries and that sort of thing is basically what has been talked about this week. But I decided to have a look at their website and have a dig around and like – because I wanted to like learn about who these people were and what their sort of end goal is because you don't just want something that is just like Afterpay except for another service. There's got to be something that differentiates you. So there's a section on their website called For Employees. Now, what that Whoa. means, <laughs> what they have on that website uh, is um, it says there's F you pay for your staff. Be the employer of choice and empower your people to take control of their cash flow by providing the tools to help them responsibly manage their money. That is Fuck, the starting blurb for this. So this is 
<sighs> it is basically payment management as controlled by employers. The The initial thing of this is to suggest that they can spread the cost of bills and lifestyle essentials over a number of pay cycles. So you can actually have like sort of, they, they frame it in terms of take control of the pay that comes in and you can pr- proportionally spread it over these pay cycles. Um, and they give you, um, there's a couple of screens where they describe it. Um, where it's actually giving their employer full visibility of their spending and borrowing against themselves. Oh, that's so dystopian. There's, there's a whole bunch of things like you know that this involves that I won't go into, um, but we'll put a link in the show notes because I think people just need to read it. But also, like the the most the galling part high. of that, <laughs> the most galling part of this entire sort of description of this service is they say. With too many Australians living paycheck to paycheck, now more than ever, your people need your support. And it's basically yeah. telling employers, here's how they you can do. micromanage, here's how you can micromanage your employees' money um, and help them make uh, income adjustments to lifestyle spending choices. Um, Fuck off. If you are an employer and you know that one of your employees is living paycheck to paycheck, pay them more. <laughs> and then fuck off. Yeah, and then die. <laughs> oh, but if I'm dead, who's going to pay them? The business. It'll survive. It doesn't need you. It needs its workers. Oh, it's just absolutely just mind-shattering. Like, of course, like the yeah. worst part of this of all is like the whole short-term lending part of it. Again, payday loans. It's literally payday yeah. loans. There's no other oh. way to describe it than a payday loan, which is enable like part of this whole sort of employer portal is to enable staff to apply for short-term cash funding from their pre from their future pay cycles. So you're borrowing Fuck against off. yourself from your employer. Terrible idea. I just want to put a little asterisk on all this because I, I don't know the details of their whole arrangement, right? We're being very, very dark on Fupe, right? We're calling them <laughs> demons and we're saying that they've like got sulfur instead of blood, right? Now, I just want to say that if it does come out that their business model, right, is giving poor people money and then taking back less money that they gave them, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. But if it is taking back more money than they gave them, then these cunts need to burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I just don't I don't have like adequate words for just how fucking evil this entire sort of Ugh. section is. Like I, I was just reading <laughs> I found it just <laughs> nonstop, just mouth agape. Um, you know, th- th- there's a couple of other th- funny things that are involved. Like their their headquarters also is the same co- um in the same building is Inju, which has the, the which is the cash cashless welfare card. Um that cool. appe- that appears to be a coincidence. Um, that building <laughs> must be built on like a magic ley line of just like horrible <laughs> chaos energy. <laughs> just melts the brains of people that step inside. Maybe that's the thing is they've got like so much dark energy coursing through them from living in this sort of hell zone, right? That they don't have grocery expenses because they don't need to eat or like defecate or anything. They just sort of like, they're just sort of like infernal engines that just sort of happen more than live. Yeah, Maybe no, that, that building is on a cursed burial ground. I'm sure of it. Like, there's there's no way that anything other than evil <laughs> comes from that building. Um, Chemist Warehouse <laughs> also is like an anchor investor in that company. They contrib- they've, they've bought, like, a lot of stakes in that company in, like, various funding rounds. And most interesting of all to me 
is the managing director's sort of history, which is just all businesses about like making money but turning it into more money, um, but yep. in a really bizarre, cynical way. Like one of his uh, – this is something I had actually a vague recollection of. Um, one of his previous businesses was like a disruptive like real estate space. It was called BrickX. So it's called the Brick Exchange. <laughs> yes, you know the one I'm talking Brick about, yourself. don't you? It is. It, it is the. It is a real estate. It was supposed to be like an innovative real estate company where <laughs> you could go in with friends and buy like a brick of a property in terms of value in owning real estate. Like, I wish I was dead. <laughs> 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 so yeah this is the kind of guy that we're dealing with um and this is the kind of company that we're dealing with um, a mover and shaker is yeah. what you mean a man, on, a man on the cutting edge a disruptor so grim that they're partnering with the chemist warehouse is investing in this just being like oh we've noticed that you couldn't afford insulin this week mm-hmm. and maybe it's because you're like i noticed that you were buying oats Instead, <laughs> have you considered buying sand? Like, <laughs> I'm just, I was just thinking when you were reading that too, Evie. Like, Chemist oh. Warehouse, where do I remember that name from? Oh, that's right. That was the company I was part of the picket line protest for yeah. when they totally <laughs> fucked over same. all of their casual workforce and refused to give them normal contracts. Cool. They've clearly learnt their lesson and now they want to empower their employees. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> April Fool's. We want to help them manage the poverty that we've put them in. <laughs> if there's any Chemist Warehouse employees that are listening to this, if Chemist Warehouse is using Foodpay to manage your income, please, please, for the love of God, send us an email because I would love to know if they're, yeah. they're going to be using that internally. Just for gossip reasons. We can't do anything about it. Yeah. We can pass it on to people who might be able to do something about it, but I would love to know if they are. Yeah, yeah, we, we can, <laughs> and we can also send it to our local member, Jed Kearney, who's going to really <laughs> shake up the hornet's nest oh down in Canberra. <laughs> Speaking of federal politicians... All right, we've got we've got a couple minutes left. I we can we can get through all this. It is, oh, yeah, this the, is the not budget special episode. It's the not good enough. <laughs> it's the not good enough full budget special analysis episode. I'm going to go in point by point on every single item of spending in the federal budget. Are you ready? Ten minutes. Let's so go. So the first thing, first thing is that all of it's made up, none of it's real. All right. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no second point. Thanks for listening to another. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about the budget. Obviously, you can see how much runtime is left on the pod. I don't want to talk about it that fucking much. It's not that good. But the main thing I want to talk about, I guess, is the reporting on the budget. And, and, and so when I say, when we say fucking constantly, are you not listening to us, that money isn't real, <laughs> federal budget isn't real, I, fuck, I genuinely fucking mean it. When the federal government, when Josh Frydenberg stands there and says, oh, we've got the budget and it's in deficit by this much, but we're going to get it into surplus and this much and blah, blah, blah. And then the media report on that. What they are doing is trying to convince you that the federal government of Australia has just one big pot of gold to bloom. And they go, ah, this is all the money we've got and we can't really take more than that. Because if we do, we'll be in debt. Ah, we can't be in debt. So what we have to do is make sure we don't spend more than that money. And that's fucking bullshit. A federal economy does not work like that. The Australian government can print money for whatever it needs. There are some issues with that. They can cause hyperinflation. They can tank an economy by doing that. But the main thing to remember 
is that when they say we have X spending for this and we have to cut X spending for that, that is a choice that they're making. It is in no way set in stone. The example that I want to use, we've used it before, is the federal budget, I'll foreshadow, right before the pandemic, had absolutely nothing in it about billions of dollars of welfare to help get us through an unprecedented global pandemic. But they managed to find a few billion down the back of the couch when they needed it because we do not have a big stack of cash and that's the only thing we can spend. So when we ev- whenever the federal budget comes up and we're talking about this fucking, oh, the big spending here and there, it's not. It's bullshit. All it's really showing you is what they are prioritizing and what they want you to think they are prioritizing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's largely fucking bullshit except for what it tells us about where their priorities are. And you'll be shocked to know that a Scott Morrison government bearing uh, down a losing election is pretty fucking shit with their with their with their federal policies. So like they're doing they're doing a whole bunch of like cash splashes which you would have seen $250 to welfare recipients, $420 ha ha weed number for people on middle and low <laughs> income, which is fuck all. But it's Ooh. not cash. It's not cash. It's, well, mm, yeah, no. it's driving me crazy. Like, ev- like yeah. it's not. It's just an offset. Like, you're not necessarily going to even get like that in terms of your tax refund. It is only if you claim that income tax offset, and only like within a certain threshold. And it's just like, it, like after all the conversation we were having in the lead up to the budget of like, oh, ScoMo's going to give us $1,000. He's going to give us $900. Is he going to give us the Kevin Rudd number? Oh, no, he's just going to give us the weed number, but it doesn't even pay for an ounce. Like, it's yeah. just... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a perfect microcosm of the whole budget, right? Where it's just yeah. like, oh, it's this thing that's good, but actually we're lying about that. And even, even if you look at the lie, it's not even that good. Like the whole thing's <laughs> fucked and made up. So and the, the 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 other thing, which I would assume that most people listening to this are already on board with this idea, but if you are a journalist and you have done a winners and losers breakdown of Nick the fucking yourself. budget. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Evie said that. The, the <laughs> issue with that thing that I endorse it, the issue with that framing is that you are perpetuating this idea that politics is sport and it doesn't really matter who's in charge or what they do, more importantly. Where what you are saying is winners, as identified in the federal budget, are people and businesses getting necessary funding and losers are the ones missing out on essential fucking funding. Who are the losers in this in this federal budget? Why, it's just homeless services. It's climate change. It's the federal ICAC. Haha, <laughs> you lost this election. Better luck next year. It's like, what fucking next year? Like, this shit keeps getting worse. It's also the case that those winners... Like, it, th- that doesn't mean anything. There's this great tweet by uh, Twitter user Ben Mac that I saw that was, uh, wow, mental health named as ABC budget winner five years running. I haven't checked, but it must be really easy and cheap to see a, psycho- a psychiatrist <laughs> or therapist after five years at the top. Like, the, the, the idea that, that, that these that the winners are even winning is yeah, false. Yeah, no. This is, this is the thing in the in the Serious Danger podcast uh, this week. Um, they, they are talking about, like, it seems like what the ABC in particular did this year was scour the budget to see if there was just any funding for a thing. And if there was, they would be declared a winner. Would you believe 
that the Great Barrier Reef was listed as a winner in the federal budget oh this year. Oh, my the God. The dying reef that needs urgent action on global climate change to fix. You mean the same reef that went through recently went through another bleaching event? The very yeah. same, Evie. <laughs> well, it's gone through a bleaching event, but it did get a gold sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, like, the, the, the final point I want to sort of hit on this is also this, you know, comparing money and funding to different services and stuff. Like, I don't really care. I'm assuming it's very expensive to fund a military. And so when I see that they're getting, you know, $400 squillion, it's like, uh, yeah, I would, I would assume so. It, there's no point, I think, saying... The military is getting X billions, but cancer research is only getting a few hundred million. Don't compare them like that. Look at the raw amount of money. Is that enough money for cancer research in Australia to do any good? Inevitably, the answer is fucking no. But you should be thinking about what is getting funded. What is And, mm. and keep in mind, the choice to be funded by the federal government. And then also keep in mind that this doesn't fucking matter. They can change this at any time between now and the next federal budget. All they want to do is essentially fucking conservative virtue signaling. They are saying, this is what we want you to think we are prioritizing. Please don't pay attention for the rest of the year. Yeah. It would be so fucking nice if Chuckle Fucks on a podcast weren't the one saying that, but the fucking Guardian <laughs> and ABC analysis was the one doing that. It would be a boy can dream. <laughs> the thing that gets me is just how, like, that, that, that winners and losing framing, it, it just doesn't engage at all with the fact that inadequately funding a particular sort of sector creates expensive problems. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing is, like, oh, you know, oh, welfare recipients, like, just to talk about the, the, the fucking stuff that we've been talking about for most of the episode, like, poverty in a society creates a bunch of really expensive problems. Mm. You, you can just spend the money to lift people out of poverty and all of those expensive problems go away, right? Yeah. So the idea that like, oh, spending X million dollars, billion dollars, whatever, costs us X billion dollars is simply wrong because society's not a shop. Yeah. You don't just buy yeah. fucking welfare services off the, 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 the shelf. If you don't buy them, it costs you more money. Yeah, treating yeah. treating the budget like a ledger, it's always wrong, but it it's also, nonsense. It, it's it, but it's particularly wrong when you think about the problems, like like you said, the butterfly effect of that poverty causes. Like I even just like going back to like mental health services. I'm sorry, like most of the mental health bad mental health in this country comes from the fact that everyone's in deep fucking shit of not being able to afford yeah. anything, to not be able mm. to afford to look after themselves, to not be able to afford to feed themselves, to not be able to afford to clothe their kids adequately or send them to schools properly or just like it, all these sort of vital services in your life can exacerbate your mental health. Oh, it's not even that, just like living through the last couple of years. Yes, like just the <laughs> trauma of the last two years. Um, Like – there are so many things that contribute to poor mental health outcomes. It's not just about funding mental health care appropriately. And, yeah. like, that even doesn't even touch the sides of mental health professionals leaving the industry in droves. Like, if you put, like, money into the mental health care sector, that is still, like, a long-term project to improve it in this country. But, obviously, the, the solution to that problem is also you've got to do 
multiple other things to improve the general well-being of the population that they yeah. won't need larger scale mental health services. Like this is mm. this is like, you know, a, a pattern that's reflected in all sorts of things, like, you know, abortion access for women because or like, you know, a proper a reproductive care because if they have the choices they can make, that means that they have control over their lives. That means they can choose to have children or they don't have children. You know, like the the whole knock-on effects it just doesn't exist in treating a budget like a winner or loser situation. You can't do it. Yeah. It's this idea exacerbated by the winners and losers framing that all of these parts of the budget are discrete and separate from one yes. another. Yeah. It, it, it treats them as unrelated. Yeah. I'm going to fix welfare with $50 million. What about rental relief? Oh, well, the best thing for renters is to buy a house. Buy a house. Oh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the last little capstone for this fucking episode is <laughs> the, 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 the simple mind of Scott Morrison blurting out his little, his little sound bites and catchphrases. We all know and love the, the best type of welfare <laughs> is a job. Sing it with me, listeners. The best type of welfare, the best type of welfare support, the best thing the government can do for people who don't currently have a job is to have a job, <laughs> which is just fundamentally missing the fucking point. I think, McLean, you said this ages ago when we talked about this exact fucking thing on the podcast. It's like saying the best type of healthcare is not being sick. It's like, <laughs> yes, if you're not sick, but it's, but, but it's not at all because I'm currently sick. I would like not to be sick, but please treat me and be, be healthy in the first place. Cunt, I'm sick now. Yeah. That's very much the Liberal Party philosophy, though, is the best way to address a problem is to pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, fucking fuckhead Scott Morrison has come out and when he's been asked about why the rental relief in the federal budget is just fucking not there, non-existent, total shit, he just goes, oh, it's about getting people to, in the housing market. It's like, well, that's fucking impossible, isn't it? That is literally just fantasy pie-in-the-sky lying bullshit. Isn't it? It's also it's- silly because, like, the the bloody real estate market works off of rentals. Like yeah. he's saying, "Oh, yeah, my ideal society is that it's impossible for a real estate investment to pay off because there's no renters because they all own a house." Is that the is that what you're suggesting that we do, Scott Morrison? Even you don't believe that. It's so yeah. funny that like he's literally like burning his own constituents, like who all have like ten million in re- investment properties apiece. Oh, they're not <laughs> in any fear that that's going to happen. Though. He's, <laughs> he's just using his special Scott. Morrison language. Oh, Scott Morrison, how how come there's no rent relief in the in the budget? And his response is, you know, like in text, they should buy a house. But what he means, and what we all know he means, is because fuck renters. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. With that uh, that um sort of he's talking about buying a house. What he isn't saying in that sentence though is that there is actually like a thing for new house buyers they made it so that like people with like a five percent deposit can now buy houses but with that this is at the point where the housing market is about to collapse so they're going to be left holding the bag when like you know interest rates go up and they're over leveraged so like this is like the last stage of the scam of like getting people to buy in at the last <laughs> possible moment and, and like he's just blithely like okay well i've made it easier for you to get into this last stage of the scam let's go mm. Let, let's go do that and those people that can't get five percent of a house deposit don't exist yeah so they don't Who need knows? any rental support great <laughs> What they need is an app to tell them how to get that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. 
get in touch with us on all the socials at notgoodpod and email us at notgoodpodprotailmail.com. And uh, what, what would you say if you did that? You would say, I love the episode or you're wrong about something. Uh, just, you know, it's nice to hear back, even if it's, yeah, it's, it's nicer to hear praise. Uh, and then also tell your friends about us and leave us a review and all the good stuff. Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We want to pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and acknowledge that their sovereignty was never ceded.